of you know that the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles is a two-part series written by the same person. Uh, we believe that to be Luke. And today, our first reading is the beginning of the second volume, the Acts of the Apostles, and our Gospel is the last few verses of the Gospel of Luke. And they're about the same thing, the ascension of Jesus. Why does Luke tell this story twice? Is this like when you're tuning in for the second season of a show and they say, last season? <laughs> or is it that we're seeing a preview with the, you know, of what's going to happen next time? Why is it that Luke splits his story at this point? And this is a very important day. In many parts of the world, this ascension is celebrated on a Thursday, and it it's a holy day of obligation. So even though it's just a Sunday here, it's still a holy, holy day, a solemnity, one of the most important days of the year. But I think that this is a day that most of us really struggle to explain why it's so important. So we're going to try to explore that. For so many people in the UT community, this is a week of transition. The most obvious group of people transitioning are the graduating students, and it's good to see a few at this mass, and there were a whole bunch at 9 a.m., which is a sign that things are transitioning, that they're up that early. But many other people are transitioning in other ways. Students are heading home or out to internships and co-ops or awaiting acceptances to various types of programs. Professors and staff are wrapping up an academic year, beginning to tackle that daunting list of the things they were too busy to accomplish the rest of the year. Other members in our community are going through transitions related to births, weddings, illnesses, and deaths. Transitions can be scary times. Often we know what the future will be, working at a new job, finally living with our new spouse, missing a loved one, but we don't know how it will be. I remember how absolutely bewildered I was when I entered the seminary. Even though I felt called by God to become a Paulist, I felt extremely anxious during those first few months, and I didn't know why I felt so anxious. Apparently, I wasn't the only one who struggled in transitioning to religious life. At one of our first gatherings with novices from other religious communities, we had a psychologist talk to us about the spirituality of going through transitions. The classic book on the psychology of transitions is by a guy who is appropriately named William Bridges. Bridges points out that our lives are filled with transitions. It's a natural part of life. A helpful metaphor is to think of a transition as a valley in between two peaks. The first peak was our old way of life that's come to an end. The second peak is a new reality that hasn't quite arrived yet. But going down into the valley is scary. We're not really sure how deep the valley is. We don't know what's down there. But here's the rub. We cannot climb the next peak until we go down into the valley. And in order to go down into the valley, we have to leave the first peak first. To descend that peak, we have to grieve what we're losing. We have to relinquish some control. The transition will likely stir up feelings of sadness, anger, and anxiety. 
but a lot of us don't want to face those emotions. We get stuck partway down the mountain, unable to go back up, but scared to go forward. When we're in the middle of anger, sadness, or anxiety that we don't acknowledge, we may find ourselves getting depressed. Entering into religious life is a huge transition. As one Paulist, who has a PhD in psychology, says, to have a religious vocation is to believe that God's best plan to care for you is to place you in a community of people who don't especially feel called to care for you. Also, Navisha is filled with lots of alone time, time to face your hopes, dreams, fears, and failings. In addition, most people's social skills regress in their first months of religious life because they're thrown into a social system that operates very differently from family, school, or work. No wonder I was so anxious. But the Paulists were great at helping me find the resources I needed to successfully negotiate the transition into religious life. Since then, I've learned a lot about how I handle transitions, and that's a good thing. I think that I've moved 23 times in the last 21 years. I have come to accept the importance of grieving, of saying goodbye to the past. In order to keep moving forward into the valley, I've learned that I need to look forward with hope to what lies ahead at at the top of the next peak. Now, do I negotiate these transitions perfectly? Of course not. But I'm pretty comfortable with how I handled all the transitions I experienced in the first five months of 2012. Finishing graduate school for the second time, moving to the South, beginning full-time ministry, losing my father, and being ordained a priest. I think I negotiated these transitions with grace, with hope, and with joy. In the past two months, We've traveled with the apostles through a number of transitions. We saw them abandon Jesus and his passion and death. We saw them react to Jesus' resurrection with questioning and disbelief. But today's transition is the biggest transition of all in the life of the apostles, at least how Luke sees it. That's why Luke reports the ascension as both the end of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. The biggest transition in the history of Christianity is between when Jesus walked among us to when he ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father. The good news is, the apostles seem to handle this transition much better than Good Friday or Easter Sunday. The apostles know what is supposed to come next. Jesus tells them that they will soon proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. But they don't know how they are supposed to accomplish that. Jesus told them to wait, and they would soon understand. And so they wait, apparently with grace, with hope, and as the gospel makes very clear, with joy. And if Jesus had never left the apostles, it's doubtful they ever would have felt competent enough to carry on his mission as Jesus desired them to do. So are you in a moment of transition? Or have you recently completed one? Or is there a transition coming up on your horizon? Have you grieved what's past? Have you gone down into the valley with grace, hope, and joy?
do you still have some work to do before you can fully embrace the new reality? Yes, most of us live lives full of transitions. However, friends, none of us should still be transitioning into the ability to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the world. Jesus Christ has sent us the Holy Spirit already. Sorry to ruin the surprise of next week's readings. We are strengthened in our connection to Christ every time we break open the word and share in the Eucharist. If we feel that we are not adequately prepared yet to proclaim the gospel, we need to ask ourselves and the Holy Spirit, what's holding us back? Are we held back by anger, by sadness, or by anxiety? In his book on transitions, William Bridges begins one chapter by quoting T.S. Eliot. What we call the beginning is often the end. And to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. I say it at the end of almost every Mass. Go and proclaim the gospel with your lives. Today, may we all respond with fervor and sincerity. Thanks be to God.